Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. start with a random article, explore it, and then follow the links and see where it takes us. John, what is your random article? Progressive Conservative Party of New Brunswick Leadership Election 1997, what's yours? Okay, mine is Cameron Climbing Salamander. Huh? What was that last name again? Cameron Climbing Salamander. Oh, it's a salamander. I thought it was a person. Nope. His first name was Cameron. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, climbing salamanders sound sound pretty interesting. What what what's a little bit more about that? Well, it is a bit of a stub article, but it is a species of salamander in the Plethodontidae family, and it's found in Costa Rica and Panama. Is there a picture? No. What's it look like? I uh, don't know. What do you mean? It's, there's, there's a picture. You there's, just no, said, there's no picture. Oh, there's not. There's no oh. picture. Okay. My fault. I, I misheard you. Zero pictures. Okay. Well, comfortably, oh. my article also has zero pictures. <laughs> I uh, have an article with a bunch of election statistics mm. in uh, a place that uh, in New Brunswick where apparently nobody, nobody voted because <laughs> there's four people running and the highest number of votes was for Bernard Lord. <laughs> who won with 1,390 votes. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Total of, like, five, less than 5,000 people voting. So this is bad because now we've gone from having towns that have almost no people in them <laughs> to having elections that are being held to govern the towns with nobody in them. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, what... Do you think we should do here? Ah, I'm going salamanders. This article is this article is a stub. Mine's, right. mine's absolutely terrible. At least yours we can go to a family of salamanders. That That's sounds true. Fun. That's very true. Alright. On to Cameron Climbing Salamander. Well, I've already told you most about it. Um, but its natural habitat is subtropical or tropical moist lowland forests. It is threatened by habitat loss, actually. Okay, so it has a little conservation status over here with, um, like, a little scale. It says on the right-hand side, LC, least concern. NT, which doesn't have what that means. Not threatened. Ah, then there's VU, which it is a part of, which means... Um, Very unthreatened. <laughs> and then EN. Endangered. And then CR. Uh, could, could, could... 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 
Really? <laughs> <laughs> Could re... <laughs> generate? Can't repopulate. Can't repopulate. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And then EW. 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 <laughs> They're so bad. I mean, just, we don't even want so them gross. to not we be don't extinct. Want them to be extinct. <laughs> we want them to be extinct. We want them yeah. to die out. And then there's a, at the left-hand side EX or extinct, as it says. Yeah, and this guy is a VU. He's vulnerable, but uh, not. Uh, he's mostly very unthreatened. <laughs> I think that's what that stands for. I'm pretty positive. Okay, well. Should I cheat and go over to conservation status and just see what the words mean? Yeah, I think. All right. Well, um, we got the you know least concern. NT is near threatened. VU is vulnerable. EN endangered. CR is critically endangered. Why it's not CE? I don't know. Ex- and then EW is extinct in the wild. And then ex- extinct is no known individuals remaining. Oh, so we were not even sort of right about most of those. <laughs> All right. So, yep. All right. So should we just go to the salamander family of Plethodont today? Yeah, let's go up and out. All right. Oh, it's a lungless salamander. Oh, interesting. It says that most species are native to the Western Hemisphere, from British mm. Columbia to Brazil, although a few species are found in Sardinia, Europe, south of the Alps, and South Korea. Mm. In terms of number of species, they are by far the largest group of salamanders. Interesting. Yeah, it says that a number of features distinguish the uh, lungless salamanders from others. Most significantly, they lack lungs. <laughs> Duh. But conducting Whoa. respiration still has to happen. It just happens through their skin. And the uh, tissues lining their mouths, mm. both the, both those act together to be able to uh, uh, basically substitute for lungs. Yeah. Uh, another distinctive feature is the presence of a vertical slit between the nostril and the upper lip, known as the nasolabial globe. No, groove. (laughs) Thanks, mouth. Anyway, the groove, then, is lined with glands, and that enhances the salamander's chemoreception. I don't know what that means, but there is a link to (laughs) chemoreception. My guess is... Chemical reception. Just reception <laughs> of chemicals? Receives chemicals. It receives chemicals know. from the atmosphere, from I the cosmos. <laughs> the chemicals, they descend. <laughs> the salamanders, they take. Bring me all your chemicals. <laughs> uh, it says that adult lungless salamanders have four limbs with four toes on the four limbs. The four limbs being the front, not the four. Not all four <laughs> limbs. Not all four. one, two, three, four limbs, but the four as in the front limbs. The front limbs have four toes on the four limbs the front ones the four yeah the four limb the four toes on the four limbs the four limbs have four of the toes. four limbs that there are total right <laughs> <laughs> um 
But there's five on the hind limbs. There we go. That that solid, actually just continues <laughs> on a sentence that would have clarified everything. All right. Well, whatever. Many species lack an aquatic larval stage, and many species' eggs are laid on land, and the young hatch already possessing an adult body form. Oh. Which is kind of unusual. You usually think of, like, amphibians having that whole tadpole jaunt going yeah. on. Usually start out very small and kind of grow, as most things do. Right, but these guys hatch already as like a, just like a miniature, basically, of what they're going to be later. That would be very strange if humans were that way. Right? Like if we, we were had born and we were proportions like... like a human adult, <laughs> and we were born that way. Yeah, that would be very weird, especially like. <laughs> Our heads would be so tiny. Yeah. Because our bodies are... We'd be all defined. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be really weird. Have, like, all this body hair. (laughs) That is strange. Yeah. Being born with pit hair. wonder how that would change (laughs) culture. That's that's weird. Ah, many species have a projectile tongue. Nice. Yeah. Projectile tongues are cool. They can fire them almost a body length at high speed to capture prey. Wow. These things are pretty long looking. Yeah. Their so, tongue must go like all the way into their body. <laughs> or they roll up, I guess. I guess. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like a foot yeah, roll up that's, in there. That's crazy. It says that in some places they make up dominant myobaths. Uh, myobaths? Wow. Brain, <laughs> come on. In some places they make up dominant biomass of vertebrates. <laughs> Uh, an estimated 1.88 billion individuals of the southern redback salamander inhabit just one district of the Mark Twain National Forest alone. About 1,400 tons of biomass. So there's a Mark Twain National Forest? I want to find out where that <laughs> is. If there's a lot that's, of salamanders yeah. and it's got Mark Twain's name on it, that's a good... That's a good place to bounce to, he's I think. Not, he's not a play, a person that I would have suspected. As a conservationist, Eric? Yeah. What, just because he's a famous <laughs> author doesn't mean he can, like, can't throw some of his, his wealth, his fortunes at, at, at conservation? He was alive around the same time as, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, probably. Like, maybe he cared about the environs. That yeah, could be. He was also from the South. So maybe he, he also just... wrote a story about a frog, I think. So did maybe he? that's why. All right. Really? He did? I mean, he might have. He wrote a lot of yeah. weird stuff. Yeah, he has. He has like a. It was in a collection of like short stories or something. Oh, almost definitely then. Yeah, some of yeah. his short stories I remember being very strange. All right, Mark Twain National Forest. One, two, three, break. Yes, no, maybe. Yeah, let's do it. All right, bam. Oh, okay, so it's in Missouri. Ah, that makes sense. The southern half of Missouri. The whole thing is just this forest. There's okay. nothing else there. It was established on September 11th, 1939, and it is only named for author Mark Twain, a Missouri native. So they basically just made this national forest, and then they were like, hey, who's from Missouri? Uh, Mark Twain? Okay. <laughs> Done. Cool. He's notable. They need some kind of name to attach to it. Right. Can't just call it something weird like Yosemite or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, who, who wants to do that? That'll never fly. <laughs> so many people will hear about this park because of Mark Twain's name <laughs> being on it. They'll totally know this national forest is here yeah. in southern Missouri. <laughs> and then we so, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Let's see, how big is this place? Um, whoa, 1,491,840 acres. Jesus, that's almost 6,037.3 kilometers <laughs> squared. <laughs> that's a very, very large area. That's huge. It says it spans 29 counties and wow. represents 11% <laughs> of all forested land in the state of Missouri. Missouri's not huh. the smallest state. That's, that's, man. How, that's, how have we not heard about this that's, place? Yeah, I don't think know. Something that big would be on our, our radar. Maybe not because we don't live in Missouri. That could be. That could be it. Let's see, is there any like notable things in this national park? Well, National it Forest, has, or is it just like it has some stuff? I mean, it has the the Greer Spring, which is the largest spring on National Forest land. Oh, that's something. Yeah, and part of the uh, eleven point National Scenic River, uh, and it pumps an average. The spring pumps an average of two hundred and fourteen million gallons of water per day into the river. Oh, which is pretty. That's pretty impressive for a little spring, I yeah. think. Uh, there's also a 350-mile, uh, well, part of the 350-mile Ozark Trail system winds through much of the National Forest. Oh. I've heard of the Ozark Trail before. Yeah. Mostly because there's a brand of outdoor equipment that was sold by some store that sells things for cheap that <laughs> is called Ozark Trail. That's how I heard about it. But, nonetheless, all press is good press. Yeah. So it says that um, there's also the Glade Top Trail National Scenic Byway, which offers views to the Boston Mountains in Arkansas. Why is there mountains in Arkansas called Boston? They didn't have any room left in Boston. Uh. <laughs> Oh, the nearest city to this national forest is Rolla. Rolla, 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 Rolla. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, hold on here. Okay, it says it was established on in 1939, mm -hmm. as I said. Mm -hmm. But it says the Mark Twain National Forest as we know it today was created on February 17th, 1976. Well, what happened? Well, uh, let's see. It says here it has a rather unique history where it was once known as both the Clark National Forest and the Mark Twain National Forest, both being proclaimed on September 11th, 1939. Hold up. So they had two adjoining forests that um, were in the same state that were butt to butt, and they made them at the same time. <laughs> I think but they made them two different things. Maybe it, it's the whole forest that was just named two different things. Maybe two different people were like, "Yeah, we're claiming this national forest." Well, I oh. mean, it's a national forest, though. You would oh, think wait. it's administered by the government, right? It says in June 1973, the Clark and Mark Twain National Forest were brought under one headquarters in Rollo. And became known as the National Forests in Missouri. 
And then, oh, okay, so yeah, it was two separate forests. Three and years later, yeah. Three years later, the forests were combined as if they were separate things and then renamed the Mark Twain National Forest. It says that now this is Missouri's only national forest. So, mm-hmm. like, poor Mark Twain, so <laughs> lonely, all by, all by themselves. Like, they had, he had a buddy, and then he ate it, mm. and that was it. Now there's only Mark Twain National Forest. Yep. There's only the one Mark Twain. Oh, wow, there's over 5,000 caves. Rocky barren glades, old volcanic mountains, and streams. There's also links to several different wilderness areas. Uh, there's the Bell Mountain Wilderness, the Devil's Backbone Wilderness, the Hercules Glades Wilderness, <laughs> the Irish Wilderness, the Paddy Creek Wilderness, the Piney Creek Wilderness, and Rock Pile Mountain Wilderness. Mm. How many times can you say wilderness before the <laughs> word becomes meaningless to your tongue? The meaningless wilderness. Meaningless wilderness. That would be a cool name for a wilderness. That would meaningless be. wilderness. But each of those wildernesses have links of which we can choose. <laughs> we can also look at that really like productive spring. The Ozark mm. Trail. Yeah. We can go to Roll, 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 Missouri. <laughs> uh, or see national forests on other places. Hmm. Mark Twain or Teddy Roosevelt. Blah, blah, blah. Or not Teddy, sorry. FDR, the other Roosevelt. <laughs> he was actually responsible for this place. Well, we actually can't go there because there's no link to him. Ah, man. What? We can go to uh, Boston Mountains. Hmm. You can also go to virtually any county in Missouri <laughs> because there's an entire list of all of the different counties of which this park takes up some <laughs> space. And let me tell you, there's like, I think that's all the counties in Missouri. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, tell you what, let's. I think I want to see more about Rolla. Roll, 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 go! Is a city and county seat of Phelps County, Missouri. Population 19,559. It's home to the Missouri University of Science and Technology, well known for its many engineering departments and its computer science department. And, of course, it's the HQ of the Mark Twain National Forest. So, John Weber was the first to build a house in the city of Marola in 1844. Nine years later, railroad contractor Edmund Ward Bishop, considered to be the founder of Marola, settled in the area uh, the state officially established Rolla as a town in 1858. Hmm. Because building a house there first doesn't count <laughs> for squat. What counts is if you bring the railroad to town. Uh, okay, well, apparently there are two stories that account for how Rolla was named. One, which is regarded as a folk legend, um, 
arises from the competition between Rolla and neighboring Dillon, Missouri, to be designated the county seat. When Rolla was made the county seat in 1861, the residents of Dillon, having lost a round, were allowed to choose the name of the new city and named it Rolla after a good-for-nothing hunting dog. Hmm. <laughs> well, that's what it says. All mm. right. I mean, I but, don't know why they would name their dog Rolla <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, that's what I want. I want to know the origin of Rolla. Like, know? where did Rolla come from? I know Rolla may have been a dog, but why did you call that dog Rolla? <laughs> How is that a name? But there is a more widely accepted story. Um, oh, okay. That came from a citizens' meeting about naming the town. Weber was said to prefer the name Hardscrabble, which was used to describe the soils in the region. Ah, I would have liked that name. And Bishop pushed for the name Phelps Center. Isn't that like a stadium? Probably. Oh. <laughs> and then new settlers from North Carolina voted to name the city after Raleigh, their hometown, but chose to spell the Missouri version phonetically. Rolla. Rolla. Raleigh. What? Roll A. Roll A. Roll A. Raleigh. It's so, Raleigh. It's Raleigh spelled phonetically. Mer- Missouri version. Because if you say Raleigh, Raleigh phonetically, it's Raleigh. <laughs> but it's in Missouri speak, so it'd be like, hey, that check out that Raleigh. 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 Yeah, it's not like we were thinking. It's not like Raleigh. Check out that Raleigh. 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 Yeah, I'm I from guess Raleigh, there's a North dialect. Carolina. Raleigh. Raleigh, North Carolina. Rala, Nagala. So I guess it's pronounced, probably pronounced Rala then. I'm sorry Instead if of Rola. anybody from Missouri ever listens <laughs> to this podcast. By the way, just getting that out there. We don't dislike you. We just don't know you. And based on this pronunciation, we have to assume some things. Okay. Don't be offended. We're not we butcher it. every accent and yeah. language. If you somehow are from Missouri and skipped right to this particular (laughs) episode, we're sorry. Otherwise, you know full well by now that we can't say anything. (laughs) We can't even say normal words. We can't. We can't. If it's in English, it doesn't matter. If it's phonetically pronounced, if they like like the people from North Carolina probably named this town Rolla to make it more easy for us to wrap our dumb English tongues around, then we still flounder over it. Oh, man. Oh, well, unsurprisingly, it says that uh, being where it was, many residents leaned toward the Confederacy during the American Civil War, but the town was taken by Union forces in June of 1861, and there they built two minor forts, Fort Wyman and Fort Det, during their occupation. The interesting thing about them being two minor forts in a town that you've never heard of is... Both of those forts have links. <laughs> Are they interesting enough for us to go to? <laughs> yeah, apparently for most of its history, Rala has served as a transportation and trading center. And it was the original terminus of the St. Louis-San Francisco Railway. Colloquially known as the Frisco Line. Frisco Line. Yep, that's runs a, directly through town. That's a pretty good uh, tr- uh, 
and hits the original terminus of the St. Louis-San Francisco Railway, mm. this thing starts there. It goes to St. Louis and then all the way to California. That's <laughs> a good gig. Yep. That's probably why this town has such a long article. Because, I mean, think about it. It's not any bigger than Ephrata is, but it's, <laughs> you know, this article's huge for a town that we've never heard of. Yeah, and it also, um, it was a regular stop along Route 66, and it was, it's located almost exactly halfway between St. Louis and Springfield, so there's also Interstate 44 and Route 72 that run through Raleigh, Raleigh? Roll Maybe a. that's how... Raleigh. 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 I wonder if that's how they pronounce it. Raleigh. Well, I mean, there's always that like little pronunciation thing, isn't there? Yeah, there's this thing. Oh, there is? I in the lie. Raleigh. Lie. Short... Okay, here Raleigh. we go. Raleigh. Raleigh. Short O as in body. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, ba. Ra. Raleigh. Raleigh. Wait. That's how they say it. Raleigh. 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 No, because like it's it's Because it says that... No, but it also says... It says... It says... O short as in body, but it also says I. It says L as in lie. And then the last one is A as in about. Raleigh. About. Raleigh. Raleigh. Wow. They really messed that up. (laughs) There's no way around it. They really did. Yep. Well, I blame the North Carolinians because... They messed it up. <laughs> they came to the <laughs> they town They would have just spelled it normally. And then they just were like, let's leave. Let's go back to North Carolina. Let's go out to Rala. <laughs> Is that... I mean, if there was a Y at the end, I would probably pronounce it Raleigh. Well, I guess it's supposed to be Raleigh. Raleigh? 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 I don't even know. I don't know why I'm bothering to try to <laughs> pronounce this <laughs> to correctly. To rationalize the thought processes <laughs> of some North Carolinians in Missouri at a town meeting 200 years ago. Yeah, I don't know I'm, either. But I'm, I'm never going to get the pronunciation <laughs> right. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't. It's Unless all fine. Unless I ever go to that town, which I probably won't, the um, Rolla High School... Is home of the Rolla Bulldogs. The Rolla Bulldogs. Oh boy, oh boy. Oh, the universe, Missouri University of Science and Technology mm-hmm. has a half-scale Stonehenge replica Whoa. built from solid granite located on campus, <laughs> as well as an astronomical observatory. And an operational nuclear reactor. Hold on, what? <laughs> Which was the state's first. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is something that not everybody has. Uh, yep. It says it was the first nuclear reactor in the state of Missouri, by the way. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and a university... Well, universities kind of start a lot of stuff. They gotta do science, man. Yeah. They can. They do what they must because they can. <laughs> they get probably get more funding than like actual scientists. 
Yeah, I mean, like, and not only that, but if you create a nuclear reactor on your university campus, it's a genius move because you can hold <laughs> the entire, like, area ransom for endowment <laughs> money. You can be like, yo, you better endow our school. Want to know why? It'd be a shame if this nuclear reactor went into meltdown. I don't know what would happen to, you, <laughs> you know, this entire area of the country if, I mean, like, some of the, the fallout might blow over into Iowa, might, like, kill all your corn. Like, I don't know, man. I'm, like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just, like, throwing stuff out there. But, like, you know, you better you better give us some of that endowment money because, like, if you don't, like, psh, I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm not going to be responsible for it. You know what I mean? I'm, you know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not gonna like, take responsibility because keeping a reactor, keeping a reactor, that's, that's expensive, man, you know. So uh, if you don't get that money, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Can I stop? Can I stop riffing now? I'm really, I'm really tired. I'm sorry. I just want to know that I have a definitive reason to stop doing that. Um, but yeah, that was my own personal meltdown, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it wasn't far from the actual conversation was, that took place. Oh, I thought you were going to say you, you didn't think it was far from an actual meltdown. Like, yeah, that was probably as destructive. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, there's actually a surprising amount of diversity in this little town. Lots mm-hmm. of places that we can go to. Lots of links. From things like Latino to married couples <laughs> to nuclear reactors. And Stonehenge Replica. Right? Like, <laughs> what's that about? I don't know. I'm kind of feeling uh, going into the weird world of Stonehenge Replica. I'm digging that, man. That really does seem to stick out to me. And not only that, but it's a it's a link to a list of articles. It's an article entirely about Stonehenge replicas and derivatives. <laughs> it's not even about Stonehenge. Oh, wow. And it's broken down into astronomically aligned replicas and less accurate replicas and other replicas. So uh, let's see what we got here. Okay, well, obviously... They're modeled after the original Stonehenge in England, um, but there's one in Western Australia, and it costs two hundred and fifty thousand Australian dollars to build. It's the only exact model. That's incredible. <laughs> With this whole list, you would think that one of them would have like taken the time to make itself. The full Monty. It doesn't say when that one was built, but this other one here, um, the next one down, the Mary Hill Stonehenge in Mary Hill, Washington, was built on in 1918. That one's made out of concrete. And it was the first monument in the United States to honor the dead of World War One. In 1918? Wasn't that still, like happening in 1918 and it's a stonehenge i don't understand how that even sort of makes sense we need to build a monument to the fallen soldiers of world war one from washington uh let's build a stonehenge yeah it makes sense because it's you making know, pretty accurate too like why <laughs> i don't okay well let's read on here hang on okay <laughs> maybe there's a reason in the rest of this paragraph uh 
says that it was built especially for soldiers from the the specific county in Washington in which uh, in which that guy resided. The altar stone is placed to be aligned with sunrise on the summer solstice. Uh, Sam Hill, who built it, was a Quaker pacifist and was mistakenly informed that the original Stonehenge had been used as a sacrificial site and thus constructed the replica as a reminder that humanity is still being sacrificed to the god of war. Alright, and uh, let's see. There's a full-scale limestone replica of Stonehenge on private property in 14, Montana. 14, like, phonetically pronounced? Four time. Oh, okay. All right. No, it looks like 14. 14. Yeah. 14. 14. 14 Montanas. 14 Montanas. It's, it's on all 14 Montanas. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the property is owned by inventor Jim Smith, who also houses a full golf course, an air museum, a fish hatchery, and a vineyard. Why is that there? What does that have to do with... That's just him like, oh, look. There's all of this stuff <laughs> that I have. Like, he probably, who cares? He probably edited this article and added that little bit in. He had to have. Because this that little section is also not bulleted in the list. Huh. It's just a random little blurb there. He just cited his own website. Yep. Son of a gun. He was just like, hey, hey, I'm going to put myself in here. Mm. But he I'll didn't even know what. how to Wikipedia write. But then the editors didn't even pay attention. Nope. Half of these articles we see... Not well maintained. Just saying. Just throwing that out there, Wikipedia. Hey, man, like, if I had a Wikipedia article, I, I, would, I would really make it look nice. I would, you know, if only we were, if it. only we were allowed, man. Yeah. Like, if only we were able to, like, if, only, if only we were relevant. Yeah. And interesting. Right. You know, that would be that'd be great. And then if we o- if only it. there was a point to what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> if only people cared about anything that we did. Like seriously, is does there is there a reason why like anybody can't have a Wikipedia article? We don't have like, we don't have there, a full golf course, a Stonehenge replica, <laughs> an air museum, fish hatchery, and a vineyard. There are this so many Wikipedia articles. Yeah, some of them are like one sentence long. Just let us have one. I, I don't understand what the big <laughs> deal is. It's a free service. I know yeah. it's one more article for you yeah. to like surveil, but honestly, we're not going to lie about ourselves, and nobody's going to yeah. care enough about us to go and like mess around with our articles. So just let us let us have it. Let, let it be. Yeah. I don't oh, know. They're crazy. They are. But there's also a Stonehenge replica in the universe on the University of Texas in Odessa. And there's about 20 blocks similar in size, shape, and appearance to the ancient Stonehenge. And that was unveiled in 2004. And then there's another Stonehenge in New Zealand. And it has a modern adaptation aligned with the astronomy seen from the antipodes. And it was built from wood and sprayed concrete. And I'm not really sure what sprayed concrete is. It's a, uh, you know, it's concrete that is normal looking. It's like, you know, concrete whenever you pour it mm-hmm. is kind of that bland, gray, just it's smushed up rocks color. Right. Well, they wanted to make this look more like Stonehenge. So they oh, kind yeah. of sprayed on spray paint and they artistried it into being more texturally relevant. It's a slightly mm-hmm. less boring gray now. 
I mean, Stonehenge is still, still like boring gray rocks. It's not <laughs> they're flat too. Right. It doesn't matter. But well, then there's also Foamhenge, which foam is a full size, astronomically aligned Stonehenge made out of foam near Natural Bridge, Virginia. And it is the only American Stonehenge that really is an exact replica of the time-worn original. And, uh, quote-unquote, I went to great pains to shape each stone to its original shape. Who are they quoting? There's no quote. (laughs) It's just quotes around, I went to great pains to shape each, quote-unquote, stone to its original shape, end quote. (laughs) Um... And also the thing before that, it's a quote from somewhere. So there's quote within a quote within a quote there. I don't know why they don't just put the who said this after. Yeah, like what are they talking about? <laughs> what are they quoting? Um, but yeah, then that is not the only foam henge. There is the British foam henge, which uh, is made from carpet tubes and polystyrene. And constructed for a UK TV show called Stonehenge Live, which I'm guessing was a one-time thing. And that was done in 2005. And they were, each stone was positioned using GPS, which has centimetric accuracy. And the replica quickly became known as Foamhenge, but it was removed soon after filming, and the stones remained in storage. Then there's the bullet point about the uh, the Stonehenge that we just came from <clears throat> on the Missouri S&T campus. And finally, there is a full-scale replica in sandstone that was commenced to be built in the rural township of Buckland in Tasmania. As you recall, there's another uh, full-scale replica in Australia already, and Tasmania is just off the coast. So uh, I guess they got jealous in Tasmania. <laughs> they wanted one of their own. So in the first, uh, in the opening part of the 21st century, they were going to to do it. However, uh, it was uh, demolished by order of the municipal authorities because in keeping with the original Stonehenge, it did not have the necessary planning approval from the local council. There is a picture link, although it's not actually a link. You have to copy and paste it. So let's see. It's a flicker, by the way. A it trusted is a photo site. Low. Oh wait, no. It is a high-resolution photo of the Stonehenge. The Stonehenge. But it is. Yeah. It's an alright-looking Stonehenge. It's near like construction stuff. Yeah, it looks like a, a henge. Not yeah. necessarily stones. I'm glad they demolished it. Looks like it was just kind of like yeah they they probably didn't baked. feel too bad because it was like ah it's kind of a crappy little hinge yeah it's only like one ninth done maybe in that picture it's not even sort of close <laughs> to being finished oh here we go less accurate replicas okay car hinge was constructed oh, yes. from vintage American cars <laughs> near Alliance Nebraska. In 1987, by Jim Ra- Reinders. Reinders? Reinders. Reinders. I'm Jim Reinders. I'm Jim Reindeer. <laughs> I'm Jimmy and Reindeer, so that I can move cars around. <laughs> and there's the Bavarian Straw Hen. This is getting weird. Full size replica, 
assembled in Bavaria in 2003 from 350 bales of straw and used as a music venue. Then there's another Canadian straw henge <laughs> in, Ant- in Ontario. They don't say anything about that one being taken down. One has to wonder if it's not <laughs> just constantly replenished with fresher bales of hay. And there's two phone henges. What? One is made out of old-fashioned British telephone booths. And it's located in South Carolina. You gotta go. You gotta Myrtle go. Beach. Not too bad. We can hit up a couple of henges on the yeah, way there. Yeah, we, we should can do, do that a, natural a bridge. Hen- a henge road trip. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Our, that's <laughs> what we're gonna do. Our first live live yeah. podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yep. We'll do a uh, one week long live podcast <laughs> from the natural stone henges. <laughs> Or from the yeah yeah from the stone from the, hen- the henges of America yeah the foam henge from the from the from the phone henge the foam henge yeah then we'll car henge yeah then we'll go to phone henge west in Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll do a tour yep uh, it was eventually that one's eventually demolished but for uh, building code violations well we can still go to the site and maybe put some flowers down or something. yeah in memoriam. Uh, there is Mudhenge, which sounds interesting. It was erected for the 1996 Burning Man Festival. Uh, in the late 1970s, Glasgow, Scotland, uh, had an astronomically aligned stone circle built in Slighthill Park. Hmm. There's Twinkie Henge, which was another Burning Man replica, constructed in 2001 out of Twinkies. That... I want to see a picture. I'm gonna go ahead and you can you can keep reading these things. I'm gonna look at this citation here and see if uh, there is a picture. Oh my god, it's taking me to a gallery. Oh, that's disappointing. It's on a it's on a bloody table. It's literally oh, like it three tiny... Twinkies to each thing. Oh wow! Boo! Dang it. Boo! Full size Twinkie replica. Come on. Self self-preservation extreme self-preservation yeah sure burning man but you can't even build a good uh, you can't even build a full-size <laughs> replica of stonehenge out of twinkies what a, what a we're only interested in full-size replicas here man terrible all right then there's stonehenge 2 in texas the sequel and it's constructed from a sand like material nobody knows sand like <laughs> What could it possibly be? It's not sand. We know that. It's just very <laughs> similar. <laughs> Something like sand. Oh, here we go. Stroudhenge, East Stroudsburg University. I know in that Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's a small replica located on its campus called Stroudhenge. Then there's Mystical Horizons in North Dakota. Six granite walls, varying heights. Um... There's Tank Henge in Berlin. Um, after the collapse of the wall in the early 90s, Tank Henge was constructed from three ex-Soviet armored personal carrier, personnel carriers. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but three tanks does not a henge make. No, but I think it would be one of those like uh, one of those like two vehicles upright and then one across the top things so that's all they one, mean one was one henge one henge part not a whole stone henge just one, one henge, henge. Unit. one henge unit exactly uh, well they should have made a whole henge 
there probably are enough. <laughs> there's probably enough disused Soviet tanks at this point in time to be able to do such a thing. Yeah. It says that uh, Tank Henge was only it only existed in the early nineties. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it exists still. But that'd be cool if they could like expand on it somehow. Okay, here we go. There's, um, in Singapore, some scientists created the smallest 3D replica of Stonehenge, measuring only 80 micrometers in diameter, and they used silicon micro-machining, which uses a high-energy proton beam writer to produce 3D microshapes and structures of high structural accuracy on the surface of materials such as silicon. So... You're not going full-scale, exact replica of Stonehenge. I'm okay with a subatomic Stonehenge. Yep. That's what we got to do next. Put Stonehenge on the atom. Yes. <laughs> and we got Fridgehenge in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is out of refrigerators. Woo! Site no longer exists. Ah. All of our road trip sites seem to have been demolished. Doesn't mean we can't go to them and just lay down flowers. <laughs> and build new henges build in new there. Hinges. Little tiny ones. Uh, let's see. There's another one in New Zealand made out of refrigerators. Um, in 2007, Banksy constructed a stone henge made from portable toilets. Classy, as always. <laughs> and then there's another one called Akil Akil. Ackhill Henge in 2011 off the coast of Ireland. And then in 2012, British artist Jeremy Deller made a life-size inflatable bouncy castle-style replica of Stonehenge called Sacrilege, which appeared in Greenwich Park, London. Yeah. So then there's... They have a section of other replicas from Black Sabbath and... Yada, yada, yada. Not as interesting. It's interesting to note, though, that there are other alignments, mm. things that were deliberately made to align with the sun in certain ways. For example, there's a phenomenon known as Manhattan Henge in New York City due to the street grid skew of about 28.9 degrees and the strict grid plan on most of the Manhattan Isle. Thus, the sunset is aligned with the street grid. And uh, in May and July, as well as in, as well as the sunrise in December and January. So you see here a picture of mm. the sunset in Manhattan in New York, and at the right time of year, it's just lighting up the streets. Uh, yeah, I think this just happened recently, like a month or two ago. Yeah, it seems like this would be the time of year for it, like summertime, May and July. That'd be the time you would see it happening. Gotta remember to get up to New York City at that point mm. in time. See it for, uh, see all the sunlight going mm. on, going hitting off the buildings. It's probably pretty cool to see. Alright, so let's see. Where can we go from here? We want to go to Carhenge or Phonehenge West or get away from Henges. Let's go to Carhenge. Okay. And that's still up. And it has a link to it, which it does. <laughs> I want to see that. All right, let's check it out. 
Or maybe car. phone hinge. I mean, well, car hinge is still there. Let's see that. Yeah. Car hinge can be made out of different stuff. Alright, so car hinge made out of classic American cars. Now, that's a nice looking hinge. It actually is. I'm surprised. He built it in a fashion after the current Stonehenge, the real one, uh, in that some of the stones have fallen and are sinking into the ground. Oh, okay. So he was really going for accuracy, even though this is under the less accurate ones. Yeah, he, you know, he had these cars, and he wanted to create a sort of close to accurate Stonehenge. So he uh, got a bunch of vintage American automobiles and covered them all with gray spray paint. Hmm. Uh, it was dedicated in 1987 uh, at the summer solstice in June. And in 2006, there was a visitor center constructed to serve the site. It uh, consists of 39 automobiles. And three cars were buried at Carhenge. The gravestone is a car that reads, Here lies three bones of foreign cars. They served our purpose while Detroit slept. Now Detroit is awake and America's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, it says the car hinge replicates Stonehenge's current tumble-down state, like I mentioned before, as opposed to the original stone circle that would have existed between 2500 and 2000 B.C. In addition to the Stonehenge replica, the Carhenge site includes several other sculptures created from cars covered with various colors of spray paint. Hmm. Oh, okay, so this um, Jim Reindeer guy made this as a memorial to his father who studied the structure of Stonehenge while living in England. And so that kind of helped him get the shape and structure all right when he made his own. And there's an interesting picture there on the right, yeah. which compares the actual setup of the stones of Stonehenge to the cars of Carhenge. And there are quite a few similarities, mm -hmm. uh, especially around the outer rim. But, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not exact, but it yeah. is still impressive, I think. Oh, I yeah. think that these rotations are a little bit off. I feel as though the mm -hmm. car hinge picture could be rotated a little bit down to yeah. like the left. And then that would be a little bit more... You'd see a lot more comparative yeah, uh, I think so. ability there. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so it says here, car hinge will be in the path of the solar eclipse of August 21st, 2017. So, There's a solar eclipse then? Sweet. Yes. Cool. So. so maybe we, that's the time when we can go visit this car hinge. There's also several books in which this features, notably 1,000 Places to See in the USA and Canada Before You Die, as well as in the 2005 documentary Car Henge, Genius or Junk? <laughs> Whether it's genius or junk or not, Car Henge was listed for sale in 2011 for $300,000. As to whether or not it has sold, the article is not so kind as to say. <laughs> I mean, that's... I don't know. I feel like that's weird a weird thing to sell. Because right? it's like at a place. 
it's a thing that you made too. Like, yeah. you can't move that. It's there for forever. You don't have a car big enough to move <laughs> all 39 cars. Get real. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I guess artists sell their stuff, but like, usually not, you know, when they set up things like this. Yeah. I mean, usually when it's an installation, it's just sort of there. Yeah. It's either dedicated to the people or they were commissioned by whatever yeah. town or city to do it. And that's the end of the, that's the end of the matter. But no, this guy, I guess, owned the property, <laughs> built the thing. And the weird thing, though, is that it's now part of a bigger exhibition. Mm. It's now part of what is known as the Car Art Reserve. Because of Stonehenge, because of Carhenge, I should say, there are several other sites now right around it, all of which are car-built statues mm. or structures of some kind. So, yeah, I, I, you really can't move it now. Like, even if you had the capacity, you're not allowed to. Now it's, like, <laughs> in its home. It's in its element. Yeah. It's in a park of other cars. It's in something of a car park. <laughs> it is a natural national park of cars. The Mark Twain National Automobile <laughs> Park. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know where to go from here. Why don't we go to... 1,000 places to see in the USA before you die. Oh, okay. Let's see, how many things do they list? Definitely not a 1,000. No. <laughs> it's Wait a follow-up book to another book called 1,000 Places to See Before You Die, which is to say, not in explicitly just the United States. So... Okay, it says here, Wikipedia pages for 1,000 places. They just have a list of things. There's 30. 30 things? About. Uh, I don't know. Like, do they just randomly pick these, or? Maybe they're the only ones with an actual article. That could be. Well, some of these don't even have articles. They just have... Then I don't know, man. <laughs> okay, Okay, this is weird. It says, okay, places to see, places to see. Places to see. One of the things on the list is mountain biking on the Ma Da He Trail. I that, guess the Ma Da He is the thing to see, right? Yeah, but it's specifically mountain biking. Why, why does it have to be that activity? Can I just walk it? Nope, got a mountain bike. How? Like, how can I not walk that? If a mountain bike can get over it, I can definitely get over it. <laughs> One of the things is the Kennebunks. There's Kennebunkport, Kennebunk, and Kennebunk Beach. Kennebunk? Kennebunk? I don't know. I don't know, Kennebunk. I don't know if he can bunk or not. I can't bunk. I kind of want to see what can bunk. Can we see what bunks? Let's see what Can bunks. we see what bunks in the night? <laughs> Should we go to Kennebunk or Kennebunk Port? Hmm. Well, to know if a can if a bunk can port, we should find out first what a bunk can do first. That's true. So, so Kennebunk, Maine. Kennebunk. Kennebunk, Maine is a town with ten thousand seven hundred and ninety-eight people as of the twenty ten census in Maine. 
uh, is not to be confused with Kennebunkport, which is in fact a separate town. Mm. Kennebunk is home to several several beaches, uh, the Rachel Carson National Wildlife Refuge, the 1799 Kennebunk Inn, many historic shipbuilders' homes, and the Natural Conservancy Blueberry Barrens, known locally as the Blueberry Plains, with 1,500 acres or 6 kilometers squared of nature trails and blueberry fields. So they really, really like their blueberries <laughs> in Kennebunk. So it would seem. First settled in 1621. Old place. Yeah. Developed as a trading and later shipbuilding and shipping center with light manufacturing. It's not too different from uh, Rolla. Or from uh, other places we've talked about today, <laughs> which aren't in this podcast, but I can allude to them. But you'll have to wait and find out. Uh, it says that uh, Kennebunk is the only village in the world so named because it got to name itself in 1820 when it separated from the town of Wells. Kennebunk, to the local Abenaki Indians, meant the long-cut bank, presumably the long bank behind Kennebunk Beach. Kennebunk's coastline is divided into three major sections, Mother Beach, Middle Beach, or Rocky Beach, and Gooch's Beach, or Long Beach. Oh, sorry, let's try this again. Three beaches, one is Mother's Beach, the second is Middle or Rocky Beach, and the third is Gooch's or Long Beach. Uh, There we are. Okay. There's a nice little scandal here. It is a prostitution scandal. Really? In a town like this? Fairly recently, in Uh, 2012. What? (laughs) Local Zumba dance instructor Alexis Wright was arrested and charged with prostitution. She was accused of running a brothel at her Pura Vida studio on York Street and secretly filming sexual activity with her clients. Whoa. Oh, wow. Um, Instant was notable in that there were efforts not to reveal the identity of the more than 150 clients. 150? The effort failed, and the release of names began on October 16, 2012. The incident was covered internationally. Was it? (laughs) I don't remember this. (laughs) Okay, if they say so. And then um, half a year later, in 2013... Wright pleaded guilty on 20 counts and was sentenced to 10 months in jail. The judge seemed impressed with her story that she felt trapped and manipulated into the situation and aims to help other women in similar situations after she has finished her sentence. Uh, Based on what you have to say and what I know about you from your attorney, I know that you will succeed when you're released and that you will prevail. I wish you success, said Justice Nancy Mills. At her sentence, at the sentencing of Alexis Wright, the Zumba dance instructor, of whom all of this stemmed from. Hmm. Though I'm not sure what the thing, what she's talking about, feeling trapped and manipulated <laughs> into the situation. Yeah, it doesn't really manipulated on that. into running a brothel. I don't. Yeah, how did like you run a dance studio or you know that? I, I'm pretty sure that's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I'm not sure how you feel trapped or manipulated into that situation, but okay. Yeah. Maybe there's something about Zumba dancing I don't understand. 
There's quite a few things. <laughs> I know I don't understand. I don't know how to Zumba dance. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But, you know. So it's a pretty cool looking little town. Cool looking little coastal New England town here. Very flat, very tranquil. Yeah. It's a good, nice little New, North, uh, New England town. And some of the pictures of the beach are uh, very epic. Like the town, the, the houses are very cutesy, but they're on right on the waterfront, mm-hmm. on the beaches. It's a uh, pretty, pretty scenic little place. I can see why this would be some place that you would want to go to and make sure you see before you die. Yeah. Seems really pleasant. The, under the notable people, I don't really know. I haven't heard of any of them. Interesting. But the the last notable people on the list is Pinkerton Thugs, who are a mus- musicians. So I guess that's a band, the Pinkerton Thugs. Now, are they basing them their name off of the Pinkerton Detective Agency or off of the Weezer album of the same name? Mm. Stay tuned. Because <laughs> we're clicking that link. Here we go. Yes, we are. Beep sound. Bing. Bing sound. Sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one. They are a punk band. From Kennebunk. Kennebunk punks, the Pinkerton thugs. <laughs> They named themselves that just to like have all of that roll off the tongue. That's yeah. the only reason. That's the only Pretty reason I can sure. think of. Um, anyway, they were active from 94 to 2000 and again from 2008 to 2012. Well, they've been around since almost as long as Weezer, 1994. Of course, they've had a few more uh, interludes and hiatuses <laughs> and not as much success. Yeah. But they did take their name from the actual detective agency. Right, because they do predate the Weezer album of the same name. Right. There's only one person in the band, Micah Smaldone, who has since been famous enough to warrant having a link <laughs> for him. Um, it says that the band's name was, or rather the band's sound, was similar to that of The Clash, The Conflict, and Crass. Other band names that start with C. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. They were radically anarchist. Big surprise from a punk band. I think it's more of a big surprise from a town like Kennebunk, Maine. Yeah, that's true. Looking at a town (laughs) like that, just kind of like, why would you care? Like, you already... (laughs) You're so far away from everything. Your town's so pretty. You're right on the coastline. How are you angry? <laughs> What's the matter with you? You darn kids and your and your anarchy. <laughs> when I was your age, I wasn't your age yet. You're way older than I am. You were studying a band in 1994. Holy crap. I'm a kid compared to you. You probably have grandkids already. Jeez. Unless they started as kids. Well, that's true. I that's always a possibility. Unlikely, but... It could happen. Yeah. It could happen. It's possible. I mean, you see videos of little kids shredding on the guitar and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. They gotta have bands. Yeah. Some of them gotta have bands. So the members of the band formed a collective called the Anarchist Liberty Union, which set out to distribute anarchist literature for free and establish better communication between activists. That's nice. Yeah. It's hard to keep the anarchists together. Don't know why that is. <laughs> Says that the uh, eventually they uh, 
broke up in the year 2000, some 18 months after uh, End of an Era, their last album was recorded. Um, however, they did have a reunion in 2008, and it says, despite the date range in the article, that they are currently active. <laughs> so wait, ni- okay. It says, busy with their other projects, neither Micah Blue Smaldone nor James Lynch were available to participate in the reunion. Weren't they, like, the, the two main, main guys? <laughs> I was pretty sure they were the two main guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, Michael Smaldone was the guitarist and vocalist. And... Wait, what's the other guy? James Lynch? He's not even in the original... James lineup. Lynch is... James Lynch is... Yeah, James, is he? he's the first. James Lynch is the first guy. Yeah, it's that Ma- Mike Cadamia guy. He's the new guy. But I see the it says the band was initially consisted of drummer vocalist Paul Russo, oh. guitar vocalist Micah Smaldone, and bassist James Whitten. So James Lynch. Yeah, James Lynch. I guess he, wasn't he, an original yeah, member. Came, came a little later. Yes. Yeah, but he's. It doesn't matter now. The only <laughs> guy who's in this band is Paul Russo. Yeah. Well, I guess as long as you have one member, you're still a band. <laughs> Just like Panic at the Disco. You might even have none members. Yeah. There are bands where all the members have changed. There are bands when there aren't technically any members, like yeah. Gorillas. <laughs> gorillas could actually be anyone if you think about it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Damon Albarn all the time. It's an animated set of figures. It could be <laughs> anybody. It could be zero people. It's true. You could plug the algorithm into a computer and just have another Gorillaz album come out. It wouldn't matter. Yep. These guys were a part of Jailhouse Records. Oh, okay. So, um, let's see. Paul Russo recruited Johnny Noise, Tom Collins, and Vlad Wormwood as the replacements for the other band members to do a U.S. tour in the summer of 2012. Oh, okay. So, so even though the beginning of this paragraph says that they got back together in 2008 and are currently active, at the end of the artic- at the end of the paragraph, it says um, they recorded a seven-inch split that was released in August 2012. The band has been inactive since. So, uh, so they're. They're pretty much done, even though it is pretty much up to that one guy now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They're done, even though it says they're currently active. <laughs> All right. Well. I feel like somebody should take out that currently active part. The only person watching of this article is probably Paul Russo. That's true. So, Paul. <laughs> Rue. Does he even have his own Wikipedia article? He does not. Wow. Literally only Michael look- Smallbone. Paul Russo's looking over this article, and he's not even putting a link to himself. He's not quitting. He's not quitting, man. <laughs> he's going to fight the power until maybe, the end. Yeah, maybe he's, it's the his anarchy. Times. He's like, I'm not going to make myself a Wikipedia article. I don't have to subjugate myself to this. Anyway, maybe it's, yeah, it might actually be Michael Smallbone. He's yeah, the one who cares. That could be. He's, he's sold out, man. He's like, man, look what that Paul Russo's still doing out there. Thinking he's a band by himself. <laughs> I'm going to go lay on the beach and be angry about life. <laughs> I can't conceive <laughs> that. I'm going to try that, though. I'm going to try that eventually. 
laying on the yeah. beak and being angry at the same time. We'll see if it works. <laughs> be an interesting experiment. For sure. Alright. Yeah, yeah, this is a good... Ni- a nice uh, episode title here. Yeah. So, there you have it from Cameron Climbing Salamander to Pinkerton Thugs. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so visit facebook.com slash podcast. Give us a like and follow. Head over to iTunes and rate and review us. And check out new episodes on our website, twc.eriptoribio.com. And as always, I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Little Ramblers for our outro song. So thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. Yeah, that's a good that's a good episode title. Somehow like punk bands and salamanders go hand in hand. <laughs> I don't really know how, I can't explain it, but like in my mind, it's like, yeah, it should. Those those two things should be together. You know? Anarchists, <laughs> salamanders. Hey, this yeah. is a lungless salamander, you know? It's yeah. living life on the edge. Like a, a real salamander, like a real anarchist is like a salamander. They have a projectile tongue, the length of their body. They can, like, I don't need lungs. Yeah, they don't need lungs. Screw you, lungs. Lungs are like <laughs> government. Yeah. Let's do whatever we want. Let's lay on the beach and be mad. <laughs> Let's throw sand in each other's face. Anger, angst, and yeah. <laughs> Woo! Break down the system. I feel like their name could have also been Can a Punk. Can a Punk though? Can a Punk. Can a Punk though? Maybe they can. I know that's the problem. That's why I had to name themselves something else. That's true. Didn't flirt, and though it hurt, I just couldn't do my cutie dirt. My days were blue and my nights were black, but I just knew that she'd come back. For I love her and she loves me and say, don't think there ain't no Santa Claus. I know darn well there is because my cuties do at two to two today.